Hey, everybody. On today's episode of Still to be Determined, we're going to be talking about how to mock a mountain out of a molehill. That's right. We're talking about supersonic air travel, trying to do it cleanly and quickly and affordably. And spoiler alert, Sean's not sure that those three things can be overlapped in the Venn diagram (laughs) of this discussion. But we'll get into that in a minute. As usual, I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer. I write some sci-fi. I write some stuff for kids. I'm also just generally curious about technology. Luckily for me, my brother is Matt of Undecided with Matt Farrell. You're all familiar with him because you wouldn't be here if you weren't familiar with there. So (laughs) how you doing, Matt? (laughs) I'm good. How are you doing? I'm okay. Interested in this discussion, having just done a cross-country trek to San Francisco. That's right, everybody. It's San Francisco, California. And I was there for a little bit less than a week. And the adjustment there and back was predicated upon the exhaustion of two long travel days, particularly the travel back where it was a red eye. So you get on a plane at 10 o'clock at night in San Francisco and you wake up and it's supposedly eight o'clock in the morning in New York, but you're not quite sure how or why. (laughs) And you spend the next several days kind of staggering around saying what happened. Yeah. So uh, some of the stuff in Matt's most recent video seems to be predicated on the idea that that could be a thing of the past. But again, spoiler alert, Sean's not too sure. Mm-hmm. Before we get into today's discussion, though, usually I like at this point to share some thoughts from our previous episode. But this time around, I pulled a comment from Matt's most recent episode. It's off topic as the author of the comment is states right out of the gate. But I thought it was too good a comment to not share. So I wanted to share these thoughts from Robert Stout, who writes, this is off subject. I hope that's OK. Hi, Matt. I very much enjoy your channel. I was watching your interview on Fully Charged, a longtime favorite of mine. It reminded me of your current project building a zero energy home. As an engineer, architect, and builder, plus being an old fart, I have a lot of experience in a low carbon lifestyle. In particular, I like your interest in CO2 as an energy transfer storage medium. A few years ago, I installed a sand a sand on CO2 heat pump, hot oh. water heater in our home. We've been generating as much or more electricity than we use for 22 years. So an electric water heater with a COP three to four times higher than resistance heat makes sense if you can afford its upfront cost, but it will take a very long time to pay for itself. In new solar houses I design, I'm using tiny electric tankless water heaters right under the sink or close to where it's being used. This not only minimizes waste in the pipe, but also provides instant hot water. In high mineral water locations, they do need a vinegar rinse once a year. We've just increased our PV system in anticipation of getting a second electric car with the recent reduction in PV cost. It makes sense to add a little cost to the solar and save cost in a heat pump electric water heater. So it felt a little bit like this is your brother from another mother, if you will. This this. He also, in his comment, if you're interested in his, in reaching out to him, he actually gives you a way to contact him. So he invited you to reach out if you wanted to chat with him. But overall, I just wanted to get your thoughts about all these different steps that he's taken. What are your, what are your thoughts about some of the things he's done? I I love it. I love the different approaches. I've, I've said this a couple times in different videos, but it's like, 
there's so many different ways we can all tackle the same exact problem. So there's not one right way to do this, like a sustainable lifestyle or building an eco-friendly home or passive house versus some other method. It's like, there's no one right way. You have to figure out well, what, what, what are the techniques and the things that make sense for you? And I loved seeing how his thinking kind of trickled down, especially like the little uh, instant water heaters that are basically under the sink of each location that's super smart the yeah. other thing that you see a lot is now they're doing uh, recirculating uh, hot water where you basically <laughs> have a hot water pipe that's basically going all the way around the house and feeding into the different faucets and there's always uh, hot water being pumped through that pipe so that when you turn the hot water on it's hot instantly you don't have to wait 30 seconds for it to heat up so you're not wasting all that water you're getting hot water instantly so there's like these different approaches that people are taking to solve all these similar problems. It's, it's fascinating. I love it. I would be interested if you ever revisit the idea of tankless water heaters. Comparisons to how they worked decades ago, because I remember yeah. for our family trip when we visited England, England <laughs> yeah, no. and the tankless water heaters technology at that point was the equivalent of a Horrible. Bunsen burner underneath a, a gallon of water, and you were supposed to be able to shower with that. They've come a long way. Um, it was it was a bad joke. So <laughs> yeah, they've come I'd be a long interested, way since then. Yeah, I'd be interested in seeing the specs and how yeah it actually does provide that kind of water right out of the gate. On to today's discussion. This is our talk about fueling a clean supersonic plane comeback. This is Matt's most recent video from October eighteenth, twenty twenty two, and. Matt lays out the plans of not just one company, but multiple companies that are all looking at ways of getting back to the the flights of the past, effectively. The Concorde mm -hmm. used to be the fastest means of getting ac across the Atlantic, and it went away as a result of expense not being able to cover the gap created by a lack of demand. The new technologies that you talk about in your video, I, I had, I was of two minds and I think a lot of your, your viewers were in the same boat of sometimes things are too good to be true, but mm -hmm. if there is actual tech in a lab somewhere, that is the promise of the future that these people are making. Yep. Even if that future doesn't come, maybe there's something there that could be harvested yes. for other means. So yes. I wanted to have this discussion along those two tracks, basically. Okay. If we take them at face value, what could this mean? And if we <laughs> can't get where they claim they can get us, what do yeah. we have? So one of the biggest things as I was watching the video, it kept going through my mind and I was glad that you visited it briefly at the end. You expressed it as an option, but not an opinion. And what you said was this. Yeah. Maybe we don't need to go so fast. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm curious about your opinion. In your opinion. Yeah, I was going to say, I should, put my, I should have put my opinion yeah. more clearly in the video because my, yeah. opinion is, my opinion is that this is not the way to go. That this mm -hmm. is, it seems foolish to go after supersonic flight when you consider how much more fuel it uses just to do this. And it's like you're talking about saving yourself a couple of hours on a plane. It's like, is it really worth burning five, six, seven, eight times the amount of fuel for fewer passengers, by the way? It's like a regular 747 might have, what, 300 people on it or something like that? It's like a ridiculous number of people. These planes are going to have like 80 people on them. 
So you're burning more fuel for less people to shave off a couple hours of time. It just seems to me personally kind of ridiculous. And I, but there's technology and designs in the design of what they're doing that's fascinating, really clever engineering around how they design the fuselage, uh, what kinds of materials they're using. It's like that kind of stuff I see as that could trickle down into regular 747 style planes. <laughs> so you can get the best of, both wor- best of both worlds, optimizing the materials used in a plane to make it even lighter weight, stronger, all those kind of things without sacrificing all that extra fuel you're burning. And then the Prometheus fuel, the biofuel that they're exploring <laughs> when you dig into it you're kind of like i don't know about this it's like it's like it's not net zero it's like it's definitely not going to be net zero it's it's a, a reduction in carbon for sure but you're it's not it's not like it's a a closed loop cycle of the amount of co2 that is being absorbed from the atmosphere to make the fuel coming back out again it's not that right now it's it's way off from that so for my personal opinion it's <laughs> There's a whole bunch of, I don't know about this, right after I, I don't know if you saw this, but right after I published this video, like within days of publishing this video, news came out that the Overture, the people who were designing their engine backed out and they are now completely without anybody to make this engine. And so this is the company that, that was tying in with Boom? Boom. Boom. Okay. So Bo- basically Boom is now... Bust. left kind of like looking around being like <laughs> we have we have nobody to make our engine nobody's willing to make this engine anymore everybody that we're working with is bye-bye and that raises huge questions of there may not be legitimacy here. yeah right and and it, it raises huge questions about boom specifically and they may be doomed to go out of business now because if they can't boom find, may be doomed uh, boom may be doomed so i just find mm. the timing really funny that i put this out like days before that news dropped and i was like oh you gotta be kidding (laughs) right uh so uh but yeah my personal opinion is that this feels like i don't want to say it's a fool's errand but it's like it feels like this is never going to happen specifically for supersonic flight but there's really cool engineering specific elements that you could pull out and maybe that can be applied elsewhere that Mm -hmm. i find really really cool for me i kept running into an invisible barrier of why does this have to be done using our current fuel technologies? Like, right. is that the barrier that's at work here? Because you talked in other videos about the, the barriers in better battery technology, energy density being the key for mm-hmm. air travel in effectively the weight of the battery that would be needed to allow for a plane to fly would be, builds exponentially you need a bigger battery so it can fly but now because it's got a bigger battery it has more weight therefore it needs a bigger battery so mm-hmm. you end up with you know this this impossible build of calculations but mm-hmm. if battery technology can somehow break through that barrier and you've talked about so many different battery technologies recently i can't help yeah. but wonder is the future of supersonic travel somewhere where battery technology reaches a point where the weight of your energy unit is no longer tanks of liquid but is now stored in batteries which allows the plane to be lighter which then allows for more efficiency in the engine to be able to get you to those supersonic right speeds 
which then raises the question, are we talking about a, a future that's a hundred years from now, as opposed to 2040? Like, like we're not looking at, at technology as you, you pointed out the 20 year gap between the Concord engine being like, we just tested it in this factory and we, we ran it and it was effective and now we're going to fly it and it's going to be 20 years later. Right. So even if boom had an engine today, you'd be talking about the middle of the 2040s as opposed to yeah, there's, next yeah, year. There's, there's, there's different technologies. Like several people wrote saying you should look at what I think it's a, a plasma jet engine that's been designed. <laughs> that's crazy sci-fi kind of stuff. That is decades away from really being a thing if ever <laughs> so there are future technologies that might be able to unlock some of this but i keep coming mm-hmm. back to and i'm not an engineer so i can't give you the specific numbers but like the faster you go the more energy you need there's that we're never that's physics right <laughs> it's never going to go away so it comes back to even if we can get electric flight working perfectly let's say let's say we find the magical battery like it could be the aluminum ion battery i was talking to the graphene manufacturing group from australia recently they have a graphene aluminum battery that they've got that is incredibly energy dense and they see it getting even three times better than it already is now it's bananas how energy dense this battery is going to be that could unlock a lot of electric flight potentially a decade from now two decades from now but when you want to go supersonic it's like it's going to take so much more energy it's like right why bother it's like it, what yeah. is what is fast enough <laughs> that's kind of the question of god's like what is fast, fast enough and what is your and what is the goal i think is a, yeah. a big part of this they're talking about like well you could do you could get across the ocean in two hours like yeah. i said before just a couple of weeks ago i went across the country i was there for less than a week would i have preferred the flight to take less time sure mm-hmm. but yeah was that a requirement for me no and i find myself wondering is this a push that's effectively being made while claiming things about it being available to all people, a hundred dollar ticket to go across oh, the Atlantic? Yeah. Don't get me started. But on that. is this literally nothing more than another way of saying like, let's appeal to the elites and make sure that we have a tier of flight that appeals to the people who want to pop over for dinner? And then be home. Like, is that all this is? Is this a new toy, a sales pitch wrapped around a toy for people who would be able to potentially afford this? As you mentioned, a 747 or a 767 with 300, 350 seats, Mm -hmm. the economies of scale, you see them at work. It's cheaper. And how do you do that when you're now using more fuel in a more expensive plane in less time for 80 people? Well, is, that's the thing. You know, it's, like the, the, Boom's, Boom's plane is supposed to be cheaper to make than one of those kinds of planes. But like you said, the, the <laughs> efficiency is a scale completely tipped back in favor of the 747, 767, because you can pack so many more people on it and the cost of, and you're using less fuel, which means... You're dividing the costs up across more people, which means each ticket is going to be cheaper. So when Boom comes yeah. out and says $100 a ticket for a flight, it's like, in what universe? It's like, we don't yeah. pay $100 now for a 747. How, how, are you, how do you figure that math, that your plane's going to be $100 a ticket when you have fewer yeah. people on the plane and you take more fuel? Uh, please explain this to me. The, the math just doesn't work. 
So, yeah. There were a lot of different types of feedback too in the, in the comments. Like this one from VR Mester who wrote, when you compared Boom's 75 decibel level to Concord's 105 decibel level, it would have been helpful to remind people that the decibel scale is logarithmic. Most think it's linear. That means the 30 decibel difference is huge. If you, just for a matter of scale, if you take a 10 decibel noise and a 20 decibel noise, the 20 decibel noise is not 10 units louder than the 10, mm-hmm. it's 100. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're talking about is, is it's like the uh, seismic scale when it comes to measuring earthquakes. A six yep. point earthquake is not just one unit different from a five, <laughs> it is 10 times as strong. So that is a huge part of this too, is that the physics of the noise that these things make, regardless of whether it's 105, like the Concord or 75, as they're promising, here's some of the impacts that might come out of this. Like this comment from Mark Defoit, who wrote, I used to work beside London's Heathrow airport in the late eighties when the Concorde was still taking off from there. If you think sonic boom was a decibel issue, then you should have heard the deafening noise these things made when they were revving up for takeoff. It was truly oh, terrifying. His use of the word terrifying <laughs> <laughs> is what really caught my eye because there was an afternoon, there were several days in San Francisco that the Blue Angels, the Navy's acrobatic flight group, they were in town to do a large air show. Because of the fog in San Francisco, the air show ended up getting canceled, but it didn't stop them from running test flights and practice flights in the days leading up to the day that the air show was supposed to take place. There was an afternoon Mm -hmm. when I was walking down the street with my partner. We were having a lovely day when suddenly a supersonic boom took place right overhead. Whenever you heard these noises of these jets, these are these are fighter jets. So it was one of those experiences where you hear the noise and then you look up and cannot see them because they've already gone. They've, they've mm-hmm. flown over and they're behind the buildings around you. You didn't even know they were there until you hear this boom. The boom this one afternoon was so unexpected. <laughs> it came out of nowhere so that suddenly it was this cat-like roar followed by the hammer explosion of the boom and i am not exaggerating when i say i clenched my fists i doubled over at the waist and i screamed as loud as i could (laughs) well can i can i say i've heard us i've heard sonic booms too I was at a spacex launch and when the rock when the booster rockets come back down to land themselves they break the sonic barrier coming back down and i I was there and they were like okay now prepare yourself they're about to do the sonic boom it's going to be loud and all of us were like yeah it's gonna be loud and it was just like bam bam and it was like the world was shaking and all of us basically crapped our collective pants when it happened it was very exciting and thrilling we knew it was happening so we weren't caught off guard but it is loud and you don't even have to go sonic boom I live close to an Air Force base that does jets take off a lot and do practice runs around my area. And there was some kind of drill going on a few weeks ago. And there were like three or four jets that were just like going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they weren't even going supersonic, Sean. But it was so loud. I thought we were in a war zone. It was just deafening with them just going back and forth for like 20 minutes. I can't imagine living anywhere close to an airport or anything where you'd be hearing this 
on a no. consistent basis. It would get old fast. Well, living near an airport or living on the flight path even would be yeah. something that would you would see housing values drop and you'd have <laughs> an increase in those no man's lands around airports where the only thing you see are are warehouse structures. It's it's not mm-hmm. something you'd want to be near. There was also this from Krishan Mystery, who wrote, I think the most viable market for supersonic flights would be Trans-Pacific. The flight time is a larger part of the flying travel experience for longer flights. Flying transatlantic, you spend only half the time actually flying. The other half is spent getting to the airport, getting through security, boarding, <laughs> then baggage claim, and going to the destination. And that was exactly my experience. When you talk about these numbers and saying, oh, being able to go across the country in two hours, I'm in New York City. It took me two hours to get to the airport. Yep. Unless this plane is picking me up at home, it's not saving me that much time. So yep. that's a big that's a big part of the the mystery here as well, is is the claims may be shaving numbers off the wrong part. It's yeah. Yeah. The time well, spent in the air. Yeah. <laughs> there was cost? also a repeated refrain in the comments, which I think really hammered it home for me of what people are looking for. There mm-hmm. were lots of comments saying, I don't need to get there in two hours. Give me a seat with leg room and a seat that yes. reclines to a lying position. And I'm happy for the flight to take as long as it needs because I can just go to sleep. So yep. I think instead of investing in how do we make more fuel out of trees that we cut down and then burn, as you pointed out, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> Let's invest in you know maybe six inches more of leg room so we don't end up yeah, with the only way of stretching out being to ask our neighbor ahead of us if it's okay if we put our legs over their shoulders. <laughs> so, <laughs> listeners, what do you think? Would you rather spend less time on the plane itself or more time in comfort? And what do you think about the claims around fuel efficiency and fuel usage and the need even for let's get across the country or let's get across the Atlantic in under a three hour time frame. Let us know what you think. You can reach out through the contact information in the podcast description or on YouTube. You can just scroll beneath the video of our smiling faces and leave a comment below. And when you're doing all that, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like, and you can also go back to wherever it was. You found this podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever it was, leave a review. You can also share us with your friends. All of that really does help the channel. And don't forget, if you'd like to directly support us, you can go to stilltbd.fm, click the Become a Supporter button, or on YouTube, click the Join button, and that allows you to throw some coins at our heads. And when you do that, well, we get some bruises, but they're attractive bruises. I don't like didn't it. get this. Yeah, I didn't get this handsome by mistake. <laughs> All of that really does help support the show. Thank you so much for listening or watching, and we'll talk to you next time.